One of the great things about knowing God is the assurance that He loves us and His promise to guide us. This is the fourth message in the series, Smart Living. The message is entitled, Make Better Decisions, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. As we continue our series together entitled Smart Living, and I continue with a theme of how to make better decisions in your life. I started this theme last weekend. Uh, If you missed the message last weekend, I would highly recommend that you go back and uh, take a look at that message or listen to it. It's available for you at church-redeemer.org, right there on the homepage. You can find all the archives that you can download and review that message. But we are continuing in this theme together. And ever so often in our lives, it's very important to stop and take inventory of our lives. Some of us do that perhaps annually at the beginning of every year. Some of you may do it on a more regular basis in your life just to stop and ask yourself some questions about how you are living life and how well you're doing in your walk with God and in your relationships with other people. It's called a life inventory. And part of our goal as Christian believers is to always be improving our lives so that our lives are, are getting better, not so much necessarily better in terms of all the circumstances of life, because life does present a variety of circumstances to us, but we're learning to respond better to life, that we're actually carrying God's peace and blessing in our life to a greater degree. And that comes out of living a life of wisdom, or what we're calling smart living. In our world today, we have smartphones and smart tablets and smart houses and smart cars, but unfortunately, it seems like we have less and less smart people, especially when it comes to how the Scripture defines smart. See, smart based upon Scripture is not your intellectual ability. It's not your academic degrees. You can have all the degrees in the world and still be foolish. So the Bible is very clear about the kind of smartness that we are to have, and and the Bible refers to it as wisdom. And this word wisdom is a very powerful word all through the pages of Scripture, and it's really focused in a very distinct way in one book of the Bible. It's found in all 66 books of the Bible, but there's one particular book that is a truly a wisdom book, and it's a book that was written primarily by a man named Solomon. Solomon was David's son, and the book is the book of Proverbs. And when Solomon was given the responsibility of taking over the kingdom from his father David, he realized he was in way over his head. He didn't know what to do, didn't know how to handle it. He was succeeding his father, and so he felt very intimidated by the task. And so he goes to his his prayer place, his place of relationship with God, and he begins to pray, and he asks God for one thing, and you might recall that one thing that Solomon prayed for, and what was that one thing? God, give me wisdom. And God said, because you've asked not for wealth or for riches, or you've not asked for the death of your enemies, Because you've asked for wisdom, I'm going to give wisdom to you, and not only will I give wisdom to you, but I'll give you lots of other blessings as well. And so Solomon became a very wise man. The book of of Proverbs is a lot of those little short statements given to us by Solomon that came as a wisdom from God inspired by the Holy Spirit. Sadly, This is another message in and of itself, but sadly there was a time in Solomon's life when he stopped applying wisdom for his own life, and he has somewhat of a a very difficult and, and challenging demise in his life, but certainly early on he lived as a man of wisdom. 
One of the books of the Bible that we try to encourage you to read on a regular basis is the book of Proverbs. And I've encouraged you to add this to your regular daily reading. It's very easy to go through the book of Proverbs uh, one time every month. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And so uh, we have a reading guide for you if you'd like to download that at church-redeemer.org slash Proverbs. Or the way that I do it, very simple way, is I take the day of the month. And whatever the day of the month is, for example, today is is May the 15th, and so I will read Proverbs 15 going along with May the 15th. Tomorrow I'll read Proverbs 16, and so I just follow the days of the month and then, of course, the chapter because there are 31 chapters, and by and large, you can get through the book of Proverbs about 10, 11 times at least, if not 12 times every year. And to add that into your reading is a very wonderful thing to do. Wisdom. How do we get this download of wisdom in our life? And what is wisdom all about? One of the key aspects of wisdom is that the value of wisdom is it allows you to make better decisions with your life. The wiser you are, the better your decisions are going to be. And so that's what we're talking about in this part of the series. How do we make better decisions? How are we smart enough, wise enough to make decisions that lead our life where they need to be, where our lives need to be? And the Bible is clear about this. Proverbs 4, 11 through 13, I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in, a straight, in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions, don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Notice the emphasis upon a straight path so that your life is not continually being detoured, that you're not getting off of the path, the path of wisdom. Verses 11 and 12, same chapter, message paraphrase. I'm writing out clear directions to wisdom's way. I'm drawing a map to righteous road, the right road. I don't want you ending up in blind alleys or wasting time making wrong turns. Hold tight to good advice. Don't relax your grip. Guard it well. Your life is at stake. Same chapter, verses 26 and 27. Mark out a straight path. There you see again the emphasis upon a straight path. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked or detoured. Keep your feet from following evil. And then we see in the same chapter again, verses 26 and 27, today's English version, plan carefully, think about Be careful in how you make plans for your life. Plan carefully what you do, and whatever you do will turn out right. Avoid evil and walk straight ahead. Don't go one step off the right way. What I want you to see in all of these verses is the importance of your decision. Last week, I talked about this whole idea of making wise decisions, and we talked about the fact that your decisions are the very thing creating your life, and I talked about the importance of making the right big decisions first, that you establish what your life values and your life priorities are going to be, that you establish what your life habits are going to be, creating your lifestyle, what the kind of life you are going to live. I talked about choosing your thoughts and your attitudes very carefully making good decisions about those aspects of life. And I talked about our words and our actions, how you make the big decisions first, because your decisions, especially your big decisions, are creating your life and your life direction. 
Today, I want to continue by giving you two more principles that will help us to make better decisions in our lives. The first thing for today and where I will spend most of my time will be on this first point. You and I need to look for and listen to whose guidance? God's guidance. I want you to note here two actions on our part. We have to look for and we have to listen to. In other words, God's guidance is there, but you and I are not going to receive it unless we look for it and we listen to it. And so our responsibility is to learn how to look for the guidance of God in our lives and to listen to the guidance of God in our lives. And would you agree with me today that if you and I are looking for and listening to God's guidance, we will make much wiser decisions. Because God will never lead you astray. God will never lead you down a detoured path. God is always leading you in the right direction. And every major decision in your life and my life, good or bad, is the result of a process. You make decisions out of a process. Everybody has their own process for making decisions. For example, maybe you've done this before. You had a decision that you were trying to determine what to do, and so you got out a piece of paper, and on one side you wrote pros, and then you drew a big line down the middle, and the other side you wrote cons, and you started to weigh out what's the pros of this decision, what are the cons of this decision, and you used a process of pros and cons to help you decide. Every decision you make in your life is invol involves some level of a process. It might be a poor process but it's still a process. When you drive onto a new car lot and you fall in love with a car that you can't afford, but you don't care because you love that car and you end up buying that car, there was a process. It was the process of emotions guiding you to a decision that you're still dealing with seven years later every month <laughs> that comes around. Amen? Am I talking to anybody this morning, okay? There's therefore now no condemnation, okay? But I'm telling you, we can get ourselves into big trouble by either a bad process or an unwise process in life. But every decision, what does it involve? A process. So if you want to improve your decisions, what do you have to improve? Your process. Even business people understand this. That the product, whatever a manufacturer, whatever product a manufacturer produces is a result of a process. So if they want to improve their product, they always improve their process. Fast food companies know this. McDonald's, Burger King, uh, Chick-fil-A, all these folks, they understand this. They, they've worked their process. And so, therefore, wherever you go in the world, if you order a Big Mac, generally it's going to taste the same. Why? Because it's the same process. And so when it comes to making decisions in your life, you and I need to understand what's God's process for making decisions so that I can listen to those decisions and I can look for them in my life. So I'm going to give you what I believe to be the seven most important ingredients in the process of receiving God's guidance for your life. As we go through these, I don't want to in any way present to you as though I'm some kind of expert. 
I've missed the mark throughout my life, as all of us have. None of, the, none of us ever nail these 100% all the time. But this, these are the goals that we need to strive for in our lives if we're going to make wiser, better decisions. Seven things that we need to be aware of and seven things that we need to bring into our decision-making processes. Whenever you are about to make a big decision in your life, think about these seven things. First of all, think about God's precepts. A precept is another word for a law or a command. To boil it down, if you're about to make a big decision in your life, the first question you should ask yourself, and I should ask myself, is this. What does God have to say about this? Is there anything in the Bible that specifically addresses the decision I'm about to make with my life? What does God's Word say about my situation? You don't have to pray about something that God has already spoken about. If he's already spoken about it, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to pray about whether you're going to rob a bank or not, okay? Right? You don't have to spend time, should I do this? God, is this your will? I know that I promise I'll give you a tithe, God. This will be a blessing to you. You don't have to pray about stuff. I'm being very silly, obviously. But there are things that we just jump right past. The Bible says, for example, Jesus said, love your Yeah, but he said something else. Love your enemies, okay? Oh, my goodness. We're okay with the neighbor part, generally, okay? As long as they don't have a a really barking dog or something of that nature, we're we're okay. We We can kind of navigate the neighbor part most of the time. But it's that next one that gets us, right? Love your your enemies. And so we have a situation, we're about to make a decision, and we're, we're, we're about to decide about something in, in, in regard to a relationship, and then we remember what the Bible says. The Bible says, love your enemies, and if we disobey that, who is really hurt in the process? See, when you and I disobey the love your enemies part, the reason God spoke that to us is because he doesn't want us consumed with anger and malice and grudges and bitterness because he knows what that kind of poison will do to us. And so here's the point I'm trying to make. Anytime God says this is the way that you're to live, it is wise for you to obey it, to do it. Why? Because God loves you. He doesn't give you laws and commands because he wants to make your life miserable. The laws and the commands of the Bible are given to us because it makes your life Better. It doesn't take away all of your problems, but it does make your life better. Take a look at this verse of Scripture. When people do not accept divine guidance, God's law, what do they do? That's what's happening with a, in a lot of our world today, right? People running wild. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the, or obeys the precepts of God is what? Joyful. So the first question is, I'm about to make a decision. What does the Bible say about this? Is there a scripture? Is there something in scripture that will help me to make this decision based upon what God has said? Second word is the word principles. 
Not everything is outlined in the Bible as a specific as a specific precept or law or a command, but a principle really is a, a fundamental operating rule. We might say it that way. It's the way life operates. And the Bible is not only full of precepts, the Bible is full of principles. He tells us how life operates. Let me go into the, to the natural realm of the world for a moment. Gravity is not only a law, gravity is a principle. Newton discovered, watching the, Adam, watching the apple fall from the tree, he discovered the law of gravity, but there's also the principle of gravity. What's the principle of gravity? The principle of gravity is it's always easier to be pulled down than it is to be pulled up. So how do I apply that in my life? If I'm building a friendship with someone and, and they're, they're not interested in a relationship with God, if they're living in the world, doing things that are opposite of what I want to do in my life, it's going to be easier for them to pull me down rather than for me to do what? Pull them up to where I am in my relationship with God. So it's the principle of gravity. It's a principle, for example, of sowing and reaping. That's a principle. Whatever you sow is what you reap. If you, want, if, you want, if you want a corn, you have to plant the seed called corn seed, okay? And so you reap what you sow. These are principles in Scripture. Uh, the Bible says if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you learn to be the servant of all. That's a principle. The Bible says if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. If you humble yourself, you will be exalted. These are not necessarily commands in the Bible, but they are principles. And so you and I need to learn the principles of God, to be hungry to understand not just God's precepts, but to understand His principles. And you have to search those out. Proverbs eight seventeen. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. So there's a searching out. What principle applies to this decision that I'm about to make? God, what does your word say? What is the law or command that I need to be aware of? What are the principles of Scripture that will guide me in this? Here's a third thing you always want to look at as you're making decisions in your life, and that's to take a look at your life patterns. What patterns may be affecting you that you don't even realize are affecting you in your life? Are you being driven to a decision by, by a sinful pattern in your life? Or are you being driven to a decision by an unhealthy pattern in your life? For example, there are some people that you can just look at their life, they have a pattern about every two, three, five years, they change jobs. And they excuse that, God led me. No, God didn't lead you. I can look at your resume. Every three years, you've changed jobs. There's some pattern in your life, and you want to attribute that to God, but really, it's not really God leading you. It's a pattern that you haven't dealt with in your life. Some people will go from friend to friend to friend to friend, and they'll be a friend for a period of time, and then they'll skip to the next friend. There's a pattern, and oftentimes, God gets, uh, get, gets assigned as the reason for these things, and God has nothing to do with it. God is really help, wants to help you understand the patterns that are driving your life. 
Some people have a pattern when it comes to church life. There'll be one church for a period, then they'll jump to another church and jump to another church. And, oh, God, let me. God, let me. God. No, what happened was you found something challenging in your life. Uh, and so you, you had to get away from the heat. And so you ran. And we do this in relationships. We do it in jobs. We do it in all kinds of things. And we ascribe it to God. But oftentimes it's nothing more than a bad pattern in your life. The beautiful thing about God's work in your life, and this is part of what I continue to discover because we all have these things in our life, that God wants to set you free from the patterns that are dysfunctional or the patterns that are destructive to your life. He doesn't want you to be driven by psychological, emotionally unhealthy patterns or relationally unhealthy patterns in your life. Can I get an amen right there, okay? You may think you're on the right road. Read the rest with me. And still end up dead. One translation says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the way thereof is the way of death. And so you can think that you're making a decision for the right reason, but there's a pattern that's developed in your life that is really affecting the decision you're making. So you pray through, God, what, is, what are your precepts? What are your principles that I need to understand as I'm making this decision? And we're going to get into it. For example, principle would be, uh, good, uh, going back to that one just for a moment, when you make a financial decision. Can I really afford this? Can I buy this thing and still live within my means? Is it going to, is it going to be something that, that's going to stretch me beyond my real capacity to pay? That's a principle. And then the patterns. What patterns are part of my life? And let's go to the next one, and that's the word prayer. Now, would you agree with me today that if you want God's guidance, it's very important to talk to God about your decisions? As you're getting ready to make decisions in your life, prayer needs to be a vital part of it because prayer is a key part to making good decisions in life. And so as you get ready to make a decision, you ask yourself some questions. Have I, have I sincerely and consistently talked to God about this situation? If I really ask Him for His wisdom and His guidance have I covered all the people and the circumstances associated with this decision in prayer? Have I responded to his conviction in my life? Maybe I, have I really been listening as I've prayed uh, to what God is trying to say to me about this situation? Am I listening to his word? Am I listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? And so you bring major decisions before God in prayer. There are a lot of people that don't want to bring their decisions to God in prayer. And the reason is because they want to do what they want to do. They don't want God's input on it. So they don't pray about it because they're not interested in what God has to say. They're afraid that God will deny them something that they feel they really want in their life. Let me say this to you. If God ever denies you of something, he denies you because it's for your good, not for evil in your life. If God ever says no to you about something, no, don't do that. Don't make that decision. That's the wrong step in your life. He's not doing that because he's mad at you. He's not doing that because he wants to ruin your life. He's doing that because he wants to make your life better. God sometimes says no to us. And when God says no to us, that's a good thing. Amen? Okay. I look back over my life and I realize that God has said no to some stupid prayers I prayed. Okay? And I'm really glad that he has. I didn't like it at the moment, but as I look back now, I'm thankful 
that I had a father who knew how to say no to me, a heavenly father. And then sometimes God says yes. God says yes, hey, this is what I want for your life. And he gives you confirmation and affirmation. And then sometimes God says, wait, just wait right now. It's not, not time for it. And I'll come to that in just a moment. But you and I need to pray. Why? Because you're not smart enough, nor am I, to make decisions, big decisions in your life. Because all you can do if you're leaning on yourself is to make a decision based upon your natural ability. And your natural ability is not enough. You don't know everything that you need to know. And so you invite God in. And so God comes and adds his super to your natural. And then you have supernatural guidance from God to guide you in your journey. But you must pray. Prayer is a part of the process. Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives what? Wisdom. He gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. But he gives wisdom. Here's the key. If you ask for it. So are you praying about major decisions in your life? Let's go to the next one. People. God uses people as a part of helping us make decisions in our life. And so, but it's got to be the right people. Because the wrong people can give you the wrong advice, right? If you get advice from a fool, you're going to do foolish stuff, okay? But if you get advice from someone who is godly and someone that is wise and someone that has a proven track record of wisdom and rightness in their lives, then you're going to get the benefit of another perspective that will help you in the process of making your decisions. And so you need to include the right people. Don't make decisions in your life in isolation. You need people that will help you in the journey, that will help give you wisdom along the way. And we all need it. We need the help of others. Sometimes that wisdom will come. If you're, a, a, if, you're a, 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 if you're married, sometimes that wisdom will come from your spouse. And they need to be included. Don't make decisions in a marriage without two of you being in agreement because that's where power comes. And sometimes my wife has been the greatest voice of wisdom for me, helping me to know what should be done and not be done and what direction to take or not take. And I don't, I just don't, I don't make any major decision in my life if my wife hasn't signed off on it. If she hasn't signed off on it, it's not good for me. We're going to do this thing together because she's in it with me and I'm in it with her. And so we make decisions together. And if you're, if you're a young person here today, you're still under the authority of your parents. If you're about to make some big decision in your life, you need to consult the advice of your parents if for no, no other reason than the fact they've lived longer than you have. And they put the food on your table and they've taken care of you. And so they know you better than anybody else knows you in the whole world. And so if you think anybody could give you guidance for your life, young person, you need to go to your parents and say, hey, guide me, help me to see what are my strengths, what decisions do I need to be making? And of course, that's a very significant responsibility for a parent, but it's a vital thing to seek out that wisdom for those who have roles of authority in your life. These are things that are valuable for each one of us to find the people that can help us make decisions. But again, choose those people carefully, people that have demonstrated wisdom. I'm not talking about perfect people because there are no perfect people. You'll never find someone who's been perfect in every decision they've made in their life. But an overall arching theme of wisdom being a part of their life. Take a look at this. The lips of the wise do what? Give good advice. The heart of a fool 
has none to give. Proverbs 10, 8. The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their face or faces. I'll give you the next one. We have two more to go. This is the process of making good decisions. This helping anybody today? Just a little bit, okay? You might say that now because the next one's going to really get you. Are you ready for this one? Whoa, there it is. Kaboom. How many bad decisions have been made because people rush into them? They rush into a decision based upon, again, generally an emotion that they're having in a moment. They don't really think about it. They don't give it time to settle in. They haven't really waited on God. And so because of that, they haven't been patient in the process. And they try to either push open a door that God's trying to keep closed for them or they're trying to close a door that God wants to open for them. And so they haven't waited upon the Lord. They're acting on their own initiative rather than God's initiative because they haven't been willing to wait. Generally speaking, generally speaking, the major decisions in your life, you don't have to rush into them, okay? There are moments and times when you do have to make big decisions, and it might be a crisis moment that you have to make a decision fairly quickly. You can trust that God will guide you as you pray about that. But generally, you and I need to be far more patient. Don't rush into major decisions in your life. Are you willing to wait for as long as you need to wait to have the green light from God. Ecclesiastes. It's also written by Solomon as well. We're jumping over to the next book uh, out of the book of Proverbs, but it really is the same principle you'll find in Proverbs. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8 says, Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than what? It's better than pride. And here's my last point that I'll give you in this section. Ultimately, what you're wanting in your life and good decisions lead to what? Peace. The Bible speaks of peace in the New Testament as, a, as, a, as an umpire of our hearts, part of the way that you know whether you're doing the right thing in life, if you followed all the other six steps in the process, is that you can wait for and experience the peace of God about the decision you're about to make. That is, you have that green light or that red light or that yellow light, you know that God has spoken and you have peace about it. And the people generally around you that matter have peace around it as well. As I mentioned a moment ago, I'm not going to make a decision in my life unless not only am I at peace, but my my wife is at peace with that decision as well. And the same is true for her. She's not going to make a decision in her life unless she's at peace, but that I'm at peace with it also. And so it's not just a unilateral thing. It is a collaborative thing in the relationships of one's life. But, there, but the, 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 when God is guiding you, there will be what? Peace. God is the God of peace. And you need to be able to wait upon that peace. And sometimes the peace comes when you say, okay, God, I realize this is not the right thing for me to do. Or, God, I realize this is the right thing for me to do. And I have your peace in my life. And there's peace around me related to this. And you have that sense of what you need to do based upon the internal peace of God and the confirmation of his word. Now, remember this. This needs to be, I'm going to give you this right here. I'm going to add another word to it. 
What kind of peace? Spiritual peace. Spiritual peace is the, is the fingerprints, the touch of God in your life. It's not you've talked yourself into peace. So many times we can talk ourselves into all kinds of decisions and, can, and actually convince ourselves that we're at peace about something when it's really not the spiritual peace that comes from God because we spent time with Him. We have the resonance in our heart that God has clearly uh, let us know that this is the right path for us to take in life. Proverbs 3.17, wisdom will make your life pleasant. And what will it do? Bring you so when you're walking in wisdom, what does it lead you to? Peace in your life. It's a pleasant, more pleasant life and a life of peace. Now, I'm going to quickly, these are not on your notes, so I'm going to give this to you. This is free of charge today, okay? The next thing I'm going to give you, okay? It's not in your notes at all, but I'm going to give you the five biggest mistakes you'll ever make in making a decision in your life. You ready for these? And so we've all made every one of these, Okay? Everybody here today, we've made one, at least one or more of all of these mistakes along the journey. The first mistake you can make in life is a mistake of ignorance. You just didn't know what you needed to know before you made the decision, okay? And so it's a mistake of ignorance. The second mistake you can make in life is the mistake made out of impurity. What I mean by that is you're walking away from God, you're not seeking God, you're not seeking to have a life in relationship with Him, and so your life is filled with sin and filled with just doing your own thing, not even seeking God, and so you can't make a pure decision out of an impure life. You just can't do it, okay? And so I'm not talking again about perfection. We all have areas of weakness and sin that, that come to our lives. I'm talking about a willful, disobedient walk away from God. You'll never make a good decision if you're walking away from God rather than walking with God, okay? The third mistake that you can make is just through, I hope I have enough room here, immaturity. You're still a baby. You're still controlled by what you want and what you have to have. And so you haven't grown up. You haven't learned to accept the fact that God knows what is best for your life. And so this immaturity can, can really trip you up and, and cause you to make decisions that would not be good for you. The next one I'll write here. We just mentioned it a moment ago. Let me reemphasize it. You can make major mistakes through impatience. So ignorance, don't know what you need to know. Impurity, not walking with God. Immaturity, you haven't grown up in your relationship with God. You still have baby-like characteristics in your life. You got to have what you want when you want it. Impatience, you're not willing to wait upon God. And the last one I'll mention here is insecurity. There's a lot of people that make really bad decisions out of insecurity. Well, if I don't do this, this is going to give me the security that I need. I got to have this relationship because I want to be secure. I've got to have this job because this job is what's going to make me secure. It may not even be the right job for you, but you're doing it not because God is leading you. You're doing it because you're trying to secure yourself. And we can do this through all kinds of things in our lives. So there are the five biggest mistakes, the seven steps of a process and the five biggest mistakes that we can make in the process. Now I have about two minutes to cover my second point, and I'm going to do the best that I can with that, and that's this. If you follow the right process, what can you do? You can trust God to guide you. Okay. If you follow the right process, you can trust that God is going to guide you to the right decisions in your life. 
One of my favorite verses, and I would imagine is probably one of the favorites for lots of people in here. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding that is follow God's steps, do it God's way. In all your ways, submit to him. And what does God promise to do? God promises to make sure that your path is straight, that he will get you where you need to be. You can trust that he will continue to shape you and continue to mold you, and he will continue to orchestrate circumstances in your life that are divinely favored of God. God does. I look back on my life, and I can see things that God did for me, just divinely favored me in certain situations that I could never have done for myself. God opened doors that I could have never opened for myself. And God has closed some doors that needed to be closed in my life as well as he had for you also. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't try to figure everything out. You're not smart enough, nor am I to figure everything out. But in all of our ways, follow his plan, his process. Submit to him. And he says, I'm going to make sure to guide you. And when you get off track, when you haven't done this, the best thing that you can do is admit it when you've gotten off track and ask God to get you back on track. And I promise you, He's the God that not only will guide you, but he's also the God that can get you from your detours back on the right road again. There's some of you here today that maybe that's exactly what you need to do. You've gotten off track with God. And the beautiful thing about our loving, gracious Heavenly Father is that he doesn't completely destroy you when you get off track. He gently leads you back right where you need to be and gets you back on track again. He's the only one. Who, who deserves the name Redeemer because he can redeem all things in your life when you turn it over to him. Let me give you one example of this, and with this I'm going to conclude. An example of how God leads your life, how God opens doors. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. You'll make your path straight. In 1986, um, it's when we founded Church of the Redeemer. My wife and I, our two little kids at the time, moved here from Virginia Beach, Virginia. And I'm not going to go into all the story of how the church started, but uh, it was a calling of God that he had upon our lives to plant uh, this church. We didn't know anyone in the area, and so we just came and started knocking on doors and inviting people to church and had no idea what God would do. And I remember very early on uh, when we came here, I mean, we, our church was like tiny, if you came to church on a Sunday, if you were pregnant, you counted two, okay, okay? If you had a dog in your car, we counted three, okay, okay, okay? I mean, it's a little bitty church, okay, a little bitty church, okay? And so uh, we didn't had no idea what, what God was going to do. But I remember getting a piece of paper one day in my devotion time and just writing out just vision from my heart, just writing it out. What, what did I feel like God wants to do in my life and do at Church of the Redeemer? I didn't share that piece of paper with anybody, not even with my wife, because it was just a prayer, really, is what it was. And one of those things, and remember, we didn't, we were just little, little bitty church, okay? Little bitty church, okay? And one of those things that I found myself writing down, I felt prompted to write down, start a radio ministry. I mean, you say that's kind of stupid to write down if you're a little bitty church, right? 
start a radio ministry. But I just wrote it down. Among a lot of other things as well that I wrote down. Didn't share it with one single person. No one knew what existed on that piece of paper. It wasn't long after that that one Monday morning I received a phone call. See, back then our house was the church. And so the the church number was my home number. In fact, the same church number, 301-926-0967, was our home number. It just got transported over the church as the church grew over a period of time. So I receive a phone call on a Monday morning, and a gentleman on the other end of the line said, uh, Pastor Dale, this is, and he gave me his name. It was someone I recognized. He attended our church, and he said, I just want you to know that I was praying this morning, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I am supposed to put you on the radio. I've already made contact with the radio station, and you can be assured of the fact that the bills are going to all be paid. You go down there, and you just establish what you want to do and what the time frame is going to be, and you, I just know that God has called me to help you get on the radio. And there that day, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And what will He do? I had nothing to do with that. The only thing I did was write it down on a piece of paper. I wrote a lot of things down on that piece of paper. And by the way, just so you know, not everything that I wrote down on that piece of paper came to pass. You know why? Because not everything I wrote down on that piece of paper was God's will for my life. But you've got to be good with whatever he brings to pass and good with whatever he doesn't bring to pass. Can I get an amen right now? Okay. You've got to be good with it, okay? Because it's not you. It's not about you, okay? It's not about me. It's about what God wants to do in and through us and what is best for you and me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And God says, here's what I'll do for you. I'll direct your path, not just my path, he'll direct your path as well. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, it's our desire to be wise people. We don't want to be foolish. We want to continue to grow in wisdom. And Lord, we recognize and acknowledge this morning that there's some foolishness in all of us. Sometimes it, it results in the decisions that we make, and we want to to minimize that, Lord. We want to mitigate the foolishness of life. And we want to learn how to be wise. So I pray that what we've learned this morning, that we find ways to apply it to our lives every day. And I pray that ultimately, that as we're doing these things, as we follow these, these seven principles, these seven truths, that you will, Lord, just help us to know that we can trust you to make our path straight. And Lord, I pray for anyone here today who's walked away from a path. Maybe they were following your will for a period of time, but they, they, they detoured in some fashion. I pray that today would be their day to get back on the right path with you. And for that, we thank you in Jesus' name.
I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.